že to mám si, že to nepomová, jako zachrané ľupy, ty kole čorní prove. I sama ja neznáju, čo dia ty majú, či prstie, či prstie, sama nevrdáju. I sama ja neznáju, čo dia ty majú, či prstie, či prstie, sama nevrdáju. Že to mám si, že to mám si, že to kole sočky, jako zachrané ľupy, ty kole čorní očky. I sama ja neznáju, čo dia ty majú, či prstie, či prstie, sama nevrdáju. I sama ja neznáju, čo dia ty Маю, чи пусти, чи пусти, сама не вадаю. And Melania from Edmonton opening up our program. And that was a song called Jetomate, which translates as Rye Mother. Rye is in grain, but um, it's not really a song about grain. <laughs> More like asking a mother's advice about love. Melania from Edmonton with Jetomate. Dobrý den, šenovni radio suchači, ta vitaju vas vsih na radio peredaču naš holos radio krinskoho korenja. Jaka podjeti vam sjohodni tak, ki kožni srede z 11.00 do 13.00 hodene na radio stanci CHLY, stojdeni sim FM, umisti na najmo. Pri mikrofoni cju hodenu je Pavlina, a nastupnu hodenu bude z vame Oksana. Djakuju što rišale prebute z nami nastupnih dvog hoden, me majmo dužici kabi novene na sjodnišnjih programi. Hello there and welcome to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio coming to you on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. I'm Paula Demchuk Macquarie, Pukarinska Pavlina, and I'll be your host for this first hour. Oksana will be here at 12 noon to host the show in Ukrainian. I'm delighted to have you with us. We've got a great program lined up for you in this hour. We have an interview with a Campbell River author, and she'll be telling us all about her brand new novel that's 
based on the life of her grandmother, set in Ukraine. And she'll also be in Nanaimo for an author reading next week. So we'll bring you all the details of that. Also on Ukrainian Jewish heritage, a review of a book about Ukrainian Jewish relations from ancient times to 1914. As well, we've got our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music, and it will all be focusing on mothers, since we just had Mother's Day, and we can never honor mothers too much. So uh, we started out with Zhitomate, at Rye Mother, and coming up next is the Tottischuks from Winnipeg, Rosemary and Charlene, and here they are with Mamanis Sorochka. A mother's blouse. Mom 
From the Nasholos Audio Archives, Ukrainian Food Flare. Hello. We all look forward to strawberries and the summer season. This old-time strawberry and cream dessert is the favorite of favorites. It certainly is very easy to prepare, too. So get your pans ready for strawberries and brandied cream. You'll need the following ingredients. Sprinkle a quarter cup of icing sugar on the strawberries and allow to stand for 10 minutes. Whip the whipping cream with two tablespoons of icing sugar and one teaspoon of brandy or rum or vanilla. Fold strawberries into the cream mixture. Place in dishes and garnish with whole berries. This serves four. Try it. It's Ukrainian. This has been Ukrainian Food Flare from the Nasholos Audio Archives. Vancouver Island is a well-known retirement haven, and it's always a pleasant surprise to run into retirees who had interesting careers, from diplomats to artists to former broadcasters. Many of those retirees also have interesting post-retirement careers as well, such as writing and publishing books, like Diana Steven of Campbell River. Prior to becoming a novelist, Diana worked as a family therapist, teacher, actor, model, and a freelance writer-broadcaster for CBC Television. She's published poetry, a short story, and newspaper articles, and three novels. She just launched her third and most recent novel, A Family Saga, set in Ukraine from 1915 to 1929. She joins us now to tell us about her book and a bit about herself. So thank you, Diana, and welcome to Nosh Holos. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I'm delighted that you reached out and that we connected. Um, I feel almost like I've found a long-lost relative because we have so much in common. Um, not least of all, you're originally from Winnipeg, and you started your life speaking Ukrainian with your grandmother, and it was your first language. Yes, it was. Yeah, my baba, Lukia Mazurik, moved in with uh, my mother and father when uh when I was about eight months old, because mom and dad were working full time, and uh, Baba moved in to help take care of me, and I actually shared a bedroom with her for the first 15 years of my life. And so you were with her exclusively, so you spoke Ukrainian. I spoke Ukrainian to her, but what was interesting to me when I decided to write this story was realizing that she never talked about what had happened in the old country. 
And it wasn't until after she passed away that my mother started talking more and more about what had happened over there. And I guess I thought maybe Baba didn't want to talk about it because she didn't want to relive some of the sorrows that she experienced mm-hmm. because she went through a hell of a lot during those years. So much like soldiers, when they come back from war, they don't talk about what happened because they don't want to relive the horrors. Well, yeah, PTSD, right. Right, exactly. Right. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your book. What? Tell us the story of your grandmother. Well, it starts in 1915 with my mother's birth in Volinia, which is an oblast on the uh, western side of present-day Ukraine. But back then, it was western Russia. And it starts with my mother's birth at the time when her father has just volunteered to fight for the Tsar's army. And my baba, Lukia, is about to deliver this child. And so she is not too happy. In fact, she's very, very upset Mm -hmm. that he's decided to go off and fight. Do you know why he decided, why he volunteered? He wasn't conscripted. He volunteered. No, I think he felt it was his duty. He felt it was the thing to do. And he also felt that it was a way of keeping the land that they had, that there was a threat that if he didn't volunteer, if he didn't cooperate in that way to do the patriotic thing, that uh, they could lose uh, the little that they had. Your grandmother didn't understand that? Well, they, you know, they talk about it. (laughs) It's quite the the conversation at the beginning of the novel that, uh, you know, doesn't go, I think, that well for either one of them, but... Yeah, no, she she didn't understand because she was about to deliver her sixth child. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had, well, actually her eighth child. She had lost two before that. So, you know, she, and she was afraid because the Germans and the Austrians were were uh, threatening invasion. Uh, you know, it was Im- imminent. And so she didn't know what would happen to her and the children and the farm if he left. So uh, she felt abandoned. You know, I mean, the threat was very real. So they wanted to keep the Russian Empire intact. What about the Bolsheviks at that time? Did they figure into this? Well, that happened a little later. I mean, the story covers the years 1915 to 1929. So that was around 1917, you know, the Bolshevik threat. And then, you know, with the Romanovs, the Tsar and his family, as you know, were executed. Right. So, you know, anybody who had been in their army, you know, all of a sudden also under threat because anybody who favored the Tsar. So in the civil wars that followed, I mean, there were, I think, at one time more than five different armies yeah. uh, fighting one another. Yeah. And yeah. and then, of course, there was the typhus epidemic. It goes on and on. I mean, uh, Baba ended up in a refugee camp in the Caucasus, which is the eastern part of Russia at that time. They had to flee. So, you know, when I got in touch with those uh, horrific times, I got to appreciate her in a whole different way. She was this woman who, you know, she wasn't sad or morose. She was a hard worker around the house, you know, helping my mother and, and my dad and, and helping to raise me. She sang. At, the Ukrainians like to sing mm-hmm. after, after dinner. Mm-hmm. But never talked about back then, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's how that's how it was. That generation didn't talk much. I mean, those in Canada, my grandparents came uh, maybe 10, 15 years before the start of your story. So I mean, she I guess your grandmother came, it was the interwar immigration. 
It was the second wave. She arrived yeah. in 1929. Okay. Yeah, yeah. With, with what was left of her family. I don't want to say too much about it. No, no, don't want to give a story away. No, for sure. But, but you know, there's so much history that people yes. don't understand. It's good to know, you know, the historical setting. And so by the time she came, um, she'd been through a horrific experience and likely suffering PTSD. Well, what was, what was interesting for me too, Paulette, is I thought I had enough to work with when I started writing this story. Uh-huh. I mean, my mother... When she was alive, she was a natural-born storyteller, always said, you know, this would make a good book, Diana. (laughs) And I didn't think too much of it until later my granddaughter, Chloe, said, Bubby, she called me Bubby, you should (laughs) write this book. And so I began and then discovered that there were so many holes in the story. So I had to do so much research. I went to the, uh, you know, the Vancouver Library, the Winnipeg Library, the Toronto Library. I was in New York City going through there. You know, I had, uh, you know, online I had ordered some books to review. And I even went to Stanford, Connecticut, which has a huge library of Ukrainian and Russian books. And I also consulted with a professor of Slavic studies from the University of Manitoba. Oh, which one? Oleg Garris. Oh, yeah, my my old prof, <laughs> one of them. <laughs> really? Yes, He's his amazing. father was a priest in our church. Yeah, oh, in Winnipeg. I didn't know yeah. that. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yes, I was quite fortunate to uh, have him as a resource, and as I say, and to be able to find everything I could find because, as you know. So much was burned in the old country, like our family records during the wartime and, uh, you know, all of that. So, yeah, it was a lot of digging. Yeah. And the conversations you you had mentioned uh, at the beginning when he signed up and and volunteered to go and fight, uh, did you have any family records of that or was that pretty much conjecture? That's my mother's anecdotes. I mean, Ah. some of that, yeah, because my mother tended to repeat and repeat those stories. So she was a very good oral storyteller. Ah. And as she aged, what I did, because mom would go from one story to the next without stopping and to get through those visits. Because sometimes I found that hard, even though I love my mom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. I would take my laptop with me to my visits with my mother, and I would start writing all these stories down. So she remembered from her childhood, or was it conversations with her mother, your Bob? It must have been from conversations with her mother, because she would talk about her birth. So there were these anecdotes all the way through. And as I said, I, I originally thought of writing it as creative nonfiction, but then because I had to, you know, fill in the blanks and imagine uh, certain settings and conversations and, and create these supporting characters, I ended up having to write it as fiction. As fiction. Now, you have written other genres. Yeah. You've had quite an interesting career. Teacher, therapist, broadcaster. How do they all, <laughs> how do they all fit together? <laughs> well, they don't. You know, I think, and you know, even like, with my writing now, I've written three novels with three very different genres. And I think it's because I'm a very curious person. I tend to follow whatever kind of inspires me or what I think I might want to try next. And uh, I have a very eclectic career. What did you start out doing? Well, I graduated first with a degree in home economics. Ah from the University of Manitoba and um, worked as a home ec teacher in Winnipeg and then um, got married, actually, and then 
when my husband went into social work, I decided that was an interesting career. So I went back and got my master of social work and uh, trained to be a family therapist. It was a relatively new therapy back in mm. 1972. Right. So all my novels, I think, really focus on relationships, on what drives us all, what motivates mm-hmm. us, the love that we have and that we need. How long did you work as a family therapist? I graduated in 72, and I stayed with that till about 96, 97. I worked in a psychiatric ward. I worked in a community mental health center. I worked in a residential uh, treatment center for children who the Ministry of Human Resources didn't know what to do with. Um, I worked in employee, family, and assistance programs. Hmm. I was a director of a nonprofit agency that provided those kinds of uh, confidential counseling services to people in the workplace. And then I became um, a regional manager for BC for a a for-profit national counseling firm. So, you know, I worked with lawyers and and, uh, chart accountants and janitors and teamsters that came to me for counseling. And I think that was my favorite work out of everything I did was just being there, listening to people's stories and encouraging them to make some changes in their lives that, that, that could improve, you know, well, that that uh, tendency to be a good listener would have served you well um, working for the CBC. How did you get into that? Well, that <laughs> that's a strange story, Paulette. Um, <laughs> well, you know, along the way, even though I was doing this social work practice, I was always interested in acting. And so I started taking classes, and before I knew it, I was going twice a week to seeing study classes in Gastown Actors Studio. Sorry, this was in and, Vancouver? Yes, it was in Vancouver. So I, you know, I took did two years of classes and took numerous workshops and became a professional actor on the side. So anyway, one of the things you do in your training is you, you start out maybe as an extra. You do background work. Uh-huh. And I met this kickboxer who was doing stunt work on this movie. And he was telling me he's going for the World Kickboxing Championship in Australia. Tony Morelli was his name. Anyway, I thought this is a good story. And uh, I forgot to mention, too, that I think previous to my taking the acting lessons, I was volunteering at Delta Cablevision on my day off from the residential treatment center. I was working four days a week at the Children's Foundation in Vancouver. And the fifth day, I would go down to Delta Cablevision and learn to be you know, an on-air host and do television work. Hmm. So that was volunteer, right? Mm-hmm. And I developed a resume tape of clips from the programs that I did for them. So I went knocking on doors. I went to CTV first, met Cameron Bell, who was head of news, and he basically told me, what, what did I think I was doing? <laughs> I wasn't trained and didn't have a degree in journalism. I was 40 years old. He says, you're not young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can he relate. Says, well, he said, No, I'm sorry. So then I looked up my TV guide and found the program Sports Journal on CBC. I looked up who was the producer. It was Brian Schechter at the time. So I phoned them up cold, and they agreed to meet with me. So I went and pitched the story, and they decided to try me out. So I set it up, and uh, they provided a cameraman, and we went out, and we did the interviews with Tony Morelli. Mm Mm-hmm. And then after I did that, I asked, well, I've got another story idea. (laughs) And it went from there. And I worked at CBC for a year as a freelance sports writer broadcaster. Yeah, I took a year off from social work Uh because I had burned out by then. Yeah. 
And then I went back in the field. And and so what was your last job then? What did you retire from? <laughs> My last job was working as a family therapist in private practice. Okay. I had one in uh, Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. I had a nice office in my home and clients would come and see me there for couple therapy or family therapy or individual, whatever. Uh-huh. And then around that time, our daughter, who lives in Campbell River, had a child. It was our first grandchild. And she was coming to Vancouver once a month. We were going the next month to see her. And it just wasn't enough to see our grandson. So we decided to pull the plug and move to Campbell River and, and help her still in, you know, when yeah. she needed some support for the family. Oh, so you've got your family here. Well, that's really nice. And yeah. so, so in between babysitting your grandchildren, you decided to start writing novels? Well, I always liked to write. I mean, I was a member of the Manitoba Authors Association back when I was in my 20s in Winnipeg, and I, I wrote a couple of newspaper articles back then, but I didn't feel that it was a way that I could make enough money to help support the family. Right. My husband was a social worker. Uh, well, actually, before that, he went back to school. I mean, it just he wasn't a reliable source of income. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I couldn't rely on it, but I've always dabbled in writing. Mm. And now you can do it. Now I can do it. Now I feel very fortunate that I can spend my time at the computer and just write. So yeah. I, I feel very blessed. Yeah, so you've got three novels, and it's you do mostly women's fiction. Yes, I would say there's a common thread. They're all women's fiction, although I've had lots of men read them and tell me they've enjoyed them too. So what is the title of your most recent? Sunflowers Under Fire. Okay, and why did you choose that title? Well, originally it was Lucia's Lot, and someone else said Lucia's Story, but I didn't couldn't actually see that on the bookshelf, and I just, I, it took me a long time. I went through many titles. Anyway, I stumbled upon the fact that sunflowers is the national flower of Ukraine and that a lot of brides carry bouquets of sunflowers at their wedding. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, with it it takes place during wartime, sunflowers under fire just seemed to speak to me. Yeah. So you launched the book on May 7th? Yes. At the Campbell River Library. It was lovely. I did a, an author reading and then talked a bit about, again, like the title, how that came up, and uh, about my baba. So, um, yeah, it went very well. And then I've got two more author readings, one on May 17th at the Courtney Library. And there I'll also be um, doing a bit of a PowerPoint presentation to show how I approach the writing of this novel, what kind of resources oh. I use. And then on the 24th in Nanaimo, I'll be doing the same thing at the Nanaimo Harbor Front Branch. I'll be doing an author reading plus a bit of a PowerPoint presentation. So that's Friday the 24th at 2 o'clock? Yes, they're both at 2 o'clock, the 17th in Courtney at 2 and, and Nanaimo at 2. Okay, and uh, your book then obviously will be available if people would like to pick up a copy? Yes, I'll have some um, available at the Nanaimo Branch. And it's available online as well. Okay. How can people get it online? Well, it's available on Amazon. It's available through Chapters Indigo online and through uh, Draft2 Digital, if people are familiar with that, on iTunes, on Google Play, on Kobo. So it's everywhere. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) Thank goodness. So it's both as an e-book and 
and I hope down the road to do an audio book, but I'm not there yet. Okay. So uh, people can get in touch with you. You have a website and Facebook. Yes, you can get in touch with me at uh, dianastevin.com, like my name. And I'm on Facebook. It's facebook.com, dianastevin.author. And my contact information is there, my email. I'm on Twitter. I'd be happy to connect with anyone. Okay, well, that's that's great. It's wonderful to connect with local authors. So um, thank you for sharing your story, for telling us about your book. Good luck with your uh, presentations coming up, and I'm sure they'll go very well. And uh, just to repeat again, here in Nanaimo, it will be on Friday, May 24th, so a week this Friday at 2 p.m. at the Harborfront Library. And you can meet Diana there, get a copy of her book, find out how the book was written, and uh, make contact with a local author. So thanks again, Diana. Um, all the best and hope to talk to you again soon. Good luck with your next book after this one. <laughs> Thank you, Paula. Okay, Jacqueline. I was speaking with Diana Steven of Campbell River about her new novel, which she'll be doing an author reading at the Nanaimo Harbor Front Public Library on Friday, May 24th at 2 p.m., where you can get a copy of her book and meet the author. Hope to see you there. And in the meantime, you can keep up with her at her website, Diana Steven. That's S-T-E-V-A-N, www.dianastevan.com, or find her on Facebook, dianastevan.author. Vesukite Radio Pratamu Nash Holos Radio Krinskoho Kurinya, na Radio Stansi CHLY, Stoideni CMFM, Umistina Naimo. Primikrofoni, Tsihodenu, Ye Pavlina. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on CHLY 101.7 FM in beautiful downtown Nanaimo. I'm your host this hour, Pavlina. Моя старенька, люба моя мамо, коли б дорогу знала ти сюди, пішла б одна. Глибокими снігами шукать мої заметені сліди. Полярну ніч і холод краю комі, ти б все, усе, тучі перемогла. Та жаль тобі, дороги незнайомі, крім тих, що є, круг нашого села. Моя ти рідна, не сумуй, не треба, 
nerozpituj v cikraji dorých ja môže sám ešte povernúť do tebe koli rozstane cej chlodný sníh i na tvojim Žetrem tiači ruky, písľa rozluky, ja čolom schyľuc, neplač ma tuse, odbidi rozpuky. Ja povernúc, skoro povernúc, Plač ma tu se, odvidi rozpuki, ja povernus, skoro povernus. Skoro a duo from Montreal called Previt, which means welcome. And that is from their first CD, Berech Nadi, Shores of Hope, released back in the 1990s. And that was Mark Bednarczyk and Roman Kostik and a song called Mamo. Up next is another group from Montreal. And this is a group that uh, Previt has done some collaborative work with. They are called Chedem Shena, a wonderful trio. And here they are with Oikutila Menemate, My Mother Wanted Me to Marry a Musician. Lay, 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 lay,
And now for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. In this edition of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage, we will be discussing a journey through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter from antiquity to 1914, curated and written by Alti Rodal, the co-director of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter. A journey through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter from antiquity to 1914 was originally a traveling exhibition shown in six venues in four Canadian cities, Toronto, Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal, between May and September 2015. Its 36 panels examine the history and interactions of these two peoples, living side by side on Ukrainian lands. The panels feature texts, graphics, photographs, paintings, and maps, as well as short videos and recorded music. In 2018, Alti Rodal, the co-director of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, expanded on the exhibition's narrative to explore the multidimensional relationships between Ukrainians and Jews inhabiting the lands of today's Ukraine. In the introduction, Rodal tells readers, Our aim is to present an integrated narrative that looks at the experience of these two peoples together in all its complexity, through periods of crisis and episodic violence, as well as long stretches of normal coexistence and multifaceted cross-cultural fertilization slash cultural interaction. The resulting book, A Journey Through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914, was published in English and Ukrainian. It was awarded first prize for museum exhibit catalogs at the 5th Triennial All-Ukrainian Museum Festival in Dnipro, Ukraine, in September 2018. The book is divided into two sections, Antiquity to the Partitions of Poland and the Two Parallel Eras, the Long 19th Century, 1772 to 1914. The first section examines the interactions of the two peoples beginning in antiquity, moving to the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth period and concluding with an examination of Hasidism and Hebrew-Yiddish publishing on Ukrainian lands. Using straightforward text and relevant graphics, issues discussed include Jewish settlement in Ukrainian lands, Ukrainian serfdom, Jewish cooperation with Polish magnates, Hmeniski's uprising and the consequences for both Jews and Ukrainians, the Uman massacre, the rise of the Uniat Church, and the rise of Hasidism. The second section of this book focuses on the experience of Ukrainians and Jews in the Russian Empire, as well as the Austro-Hungarian regime up to 1914. It deals with difficult topics, such as the pogroms in the Russian Empire. However, it also highlights trends in Ukrainian-Jewish political and civic cooperation. There is a focus on the cultural renaissance experienced by both Ukrainians and Jews during this period. This section concludes by examining emigration to North America. Although this volume may be compact in size at only 169 pages, it is full of relevant information 
insightful historical analysis, detailed maps, and graphic elements, as well as historically significant paintings and photographs. Readers of all ages will learn a great deal about Ukrainian and Jewish history, culture, religion, economics, and demographics in the land that is contemporary Ukraine. Young readers would particularly enjoy this book because of its simple yet interesting text, along with wonderful graphic elements. Each section is focused on the overall aim of the book, to build mutual comprehension and solidarity between the Ukrainian and Jewish peoples worldwide. Alti Rodal is one of the original founders of the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter and chair of its academic council. She is a historian, writer, former professor of Jewish history, and official advisor to the Government of Canada. Born in Chernivtsi, Ukraine, she completed her education at McGill, Oxford, and Hebrew universities in the fields of history and literature. Her research and writing has focused on aspects of identity, Jewish history and culture, and intercommunal relations. A Journey Through the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter from Antiquity to 1914 is available in English and Ukrainian PDFs and print versions from the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter website. I'm Myra Jenik in Toronto for Nash Hollis Ukrainian Roots Radio. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter, based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. Moya, Tinochi, let the spa, Tivote la mene, Upoya, Kaisela, Ivdorohu, the Laku, Temene, Nazori, Provochala, Yushnek, Vishapani, the Shashada.
izradljiva Materinska laskava usmiška Za slučenji oči poroši tvoji I tvoja nezradljiva Materinska laskava usmiška Slučenji oči poroši vlakiti tvoji Vižmu toj rušne prosteju Nače dolju V tehim šelesti trav Šebetanji dibro I na tim rušničkovi Ožebe se znajome to bolju Ide ten svoj rozluka I virna ljubov Oživé se znajome do bolju Ide tej svoj rozluka, tvoja materinska ljubov And another traditional Ukrainian folk song on a mother's theme. This was Zirka doing a kind of a Zabava rendition of an old-time waltz of that song, Ridna Mate Moya. Up next, the female beat from Winnipeg with another traditional Ukrainian folk song, Don't Go Out in the Woods, Greg. And it was, of course, made into a North American hit back in the 1940s, Yes, My Darling Daughter. Here's the female beat from Winnipeg with an instrumental version done in a foxtrot.
man who never had any luck at all. He'd go on a date and then he'd wait, patient for her call. But then it seemed his luck had changed, and everywhere he went, he had a woman on his arm, and they looked so content. I asked him what the secret was that made his life so nice. He said my Ukrainian grandmother gave me some great advice. She said if you like her brogies, she'll like your kubasa. Listen up, you little doggies! It's a universal law, 'cause some like buns, some cabbage rolls, some even like coleslaw. But if you like her brogies, she'll like your kubasa. Now some men think that all it takes is a fancy car. Some men think that money will make up for who they are. Some men think it's flowers and chocolates and you'll score. But if they listened to their grandmother, they'd all come back for more. 'Cause you can read of Mars and Venus, you can even pass the test. But if you're lucky enough to be Ukrainian, Baba knows best. She says if you like her pierogies, she'll like your kubasa. Listen up, you little doggies, it's a universal law. Some like buns, some cabbage rolls, some even like coleslaw. But if you like her pierogies, she'll like your kubasa. Everybody now, you like her pierogies, she'll like your kubasa. Listen up, you little doggies, it's a universal law. Some like buns, some cabbage rolls, some even like coleslaw. But if you like her pierogies, she'll like your kubasa.
Jaden Chornoboy from Steinbeck, Manitoba with the Dear Mother Waltz. Doraha moya mama. Tsuhodenu bolazvame pavlina. Nahadu yu vesukhite radio programu nash holos radio nasha hokorinya. Zalashaitu sizname nastupnu hodenu. Dali peradiyu mikrofonu oksani. Zaprosyu posukhite trokhe pro istoriyu itredesi rozpovist oksana. Ala peritemyo kochu zalashaitu vas de kemislovame mudrostya. Ktov matri poradishukaya and our proverb of the week translates as whoever seeks a mother's advice will always find good fortune. And that brings us to the end of the first hour of Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio here on CHLY 101.7 FM in Nanaimo. Please stay with us as Oksana takes over the microphone to host the next hour. Meanwhile, please join me here again next Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 12 noon. And until then, do stay in touch with both of us via our Facebook page and Twitter. In between broadcasts, please visit us online at our website where you'll find transcripts audio archives, and the podcast feed, and that's at www.nasholos.com. So stay tuned next for the Nasholos Ukrainian Hour with Oksana, followed by Wellness Wednesday to learn how to be healthy naturally. And at 2 p.m., join Gord Bibby for two hours of great oldies on Groovin' with Baby G. I'm Pavlina. Thanks so much for listening. Do zusrichi. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you.